0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams good to have you here dog nation daily presented by kroger happy friday all of you and uh really fun stuff as we kind of uh, roll into a weekend a lot to get to on the uh, football front today and of course jeff centel stopping by here to do that in just a little bit but as you know spring practice rolling on for the georgia bulldogs and a chance to hear from some of the dogs who are expected to be in prominent roles this season and anytime you transition from the end of one season to the start of a new season anytime you kind of make that transition there's always some excitement about seeing some guys in a bigger role than you've seen them in before because listen at a place like Georgia we whether it be you know fans media you know the entirety of the football universe that surrounds a place like UGA we do give a lot of attention to young players and we see flashes from them whether it be in high school or what whether it be in the early days of their college career, the little things that we hear from them. And man, it just gets us really, really excited about seeing more of them. And I would say that there is a degree to which that a lot of this kind of allows impatience, you know, lack of patience to creep into the, to the football fan's mind where, you know, we just sort of get tired of waiting. And if you have been waiting for more than five seconds on, you know, somebody to really pop and to really emerge, you start to wonder kind of what's wrong with that. And I think it's easy to assume that, well, it, you know, if we kind of feel that way, if, if we get really excited about seeing somebody have their moment and if we start imagining in our mind of how good their moment could be when they have the spotlight on them the chance to perform, the chance to do all that kind of stuff, how much more impatient could the player himself potentially be about all of that? You know, how much more is he chomping at the bit? And listen, you know, being eager to play, I think, is a really good thing. Eager to play as much as you want to is obviously the kind of thing that you know great competitors are just going to have in them. But if that eagerness to play turns into an anxiety about why am I not playing more and what's going on here and 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 what's up with all of that, that's where I think it becomes easy to imagine that's not quite uh, the way things are supposed to be. So it's always interesting to me anytime you hear a player kind of remind himself of hey, you know, sometimes you got to be a little bit patient about all of this and. I think there are some words that uh, Georgia running back Kendall Milton used yesterday that I think are very important for us to stop and listen to for a moment. First of all, because of this, as I said before, Milton shows, I think, a fairly uncommon level of maybe maturity is the word I'm looking for, or just kind of worldliness of understanding hey, you know, what is expected when you want to be a big time elite athlete? And in, in Milton's case, I really remember about this from him going back to his time in high school when I think he first kind of popped on our radar, probably junior year for him in high school. And, you know, Jeff Tell had a chance to interview him. And even like way back then, there was this really uncommon level of of just understanding of the game that Milton seemed to have. And I remember, you know, when it came to that elite crop of running backs that were part of that signing class, you know, Milton was always the one for me that was kind of first and foremost, even though we obviously had a lot of interest in, like, say, uh, Zach Evans, a lot of interest in Tank Bigsby, a lot of interest in, you know, these other backs. You know, Milton was kind of always the one to me that was the most interesting in that crop because of the combination of what he did as a player versus what he also, uh, you know, kind of the way he went, which he spoke about the game, the intelligence with, with what uh, that, that he discussed all of that. And so uh something Milton said yesterday I think is kind of a reminder of all of that but it's not just about his own perspective in looking at the game. It's also one of those things that I think instructs us how we should think about the game. There is just this mistake that I think media sometimes makes that 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 fans sometimes make where we just expect it to happen so fast for whatever player And if it doesn't happen really, really fast, then then all of a sudden you're led to believe, well, maybe it's it's not going to to happen at all. And I think ultimately that's one of those things that I think probably sets up a, a false conversation around college football. And so. I'm kind of killing time here a little bit because we've had a little bit of an audio issue I want, to be, want you to be able to hear the uh, Kendall Milton thing, but I don't want to also drag this out all day long. The point is, I think it's really good and it sets us up for a uh, good discussion. We'll get ready to have that here coming up in just a moment. We had a little bit of an issue with the audio on that, but uh, and and you know, hopefully we do get this cleaned up and we're able to play it because uh, a lot of what Kendall Milton said yesterday I think is really interesting, both in terms of this topic and also what we hope to be able to do a little bit later on in the show, which is... Also, give you some thoughts from Milton on the entirety, the the, the full collection of uh, running backs there uh, at Georgia, because you've heard me say before that um, that I believe the Georgia running back room can take a big step forward towards really matching what it did uh, in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, when it led the SEC in rushing. When this was. You know, as dominant a unit, as dominant a position group as there was in college football. Now, last year, Georgia offensively was uh, really terrific. You're talking about top five and offensive efficiency categories there kind of across the board, uh, and yet did not quite have uh, that same level of elite rushing game to go along with that. So think about what happens if you pair the Todd Munkin uh, offense to go along with the uh, elite level of the running play. You know, that really, I think, tells you some interesting things that could be in store for the dogs in 2022. And so what Milton said about the running back room, we'll get to that here coming up in just a moment. Let me, though, kind of go back now that it sounds like our audio's uh, cleared up. Let me set this up for you again. And I apologize for the delay here, but let me set this up for you again. And then that's going to get us into a conversation. So here's the bottom line. Kendall Milton comes in at Georgia, big time elite recruit, fan favorite, almost from the word go. But because of a combination of depth at the position injuries that he has dealt with we probably as of yet haven't seen the best of Kendall Milton and that makes some fans impatient you could be led to assume that might make Milton himself impatient when it comes to his own opportunity there at UGA but when Milton spoke with reporters yesterday he was saying all the right things about that and it's the kind of thing I think we all ought to lean in and listen to pretty carefully this is Kendall Milton from yesterday
1: yeah, I feel like um, this program is one of the programs where you just, you know, you come in early, everybody comes in, they got uh, highly uh, recruited athletes, everybody has the stars and everything, but uh, when you come to a school like Georgia, you kind of know everybody's good, so you got to wait your turn, um, basically trust the process, trust the development that uh, Coach McGee uh, basically has in store for us, you know, he's had a good line of running backs. so, you know, it's been good being able to just like sit back and just keep learning from older backs like Zamir and um and James just being able to just, you know, be a, a sponge, and just soak in and just get more comfortable with the game. So, you know, it definitely um, made me very excited for what's in store this season and, you know, just ready to get on the field. I
0: mean, don't you love that? I mean, don't you love the uncommon wisdom that shows up there, the the relaxed attitude about his place on the team? And really, if I could pull out one portion of that, and if I could plaster that, you know, billboard, Times Square, whatever else, when Milton says, everybody's good, you got to wait your turn. And you know, listen. I love the interaction that we get to have, a chance to have with Georgia fans. The, the the conversation that goes on here, comment sections on social media, things like that. And one of the most common questions that comes up in those moments is, "What's going on with so and so? What's going on with so and so? How come we're not seeing so and so? Blah blah blah. Why aren't we seeing this player playing more? Or Why isn't this player right now giving his chance? You know, being given his chance." And it feels like my answer when asked that is almost always really some version of what Kendall Milton says. But I probably don't say it as succinctly and as bluntly as uh, as Milton does right there. Why is not blah, blah, blah player playing more? Because everybody's good and he's waiting his turn. That's almost always the answer to the question. And maybe when he gets his turn, maybe he'll make good on that opportunity and maybe he won't college ball is sometimes unpredictable but when you're wondering why certain player hasn't played as much yet Milton says it's because everybody's good at a place like this everybody was the star in high school at a place like this everybody believes they're going to the NFL and you just got to wait your turn wait out your moment and have that chance to 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 make good on the opportunity when it comes your way but until it comes if you have anything other than a patient mindset then you're almost dooming your chance to succeed i think that's really wise and really interesting from kendall milton and it's not just the running back position where this is true There's a tendency, I think, to want to accelerate the conversation with players really at all position groups, especially when they have elite recruiting credentials, five-star category, national players of the year type things. Take a guy like, say, Mikael Williams, for instance, who steps into a Georgia defensive line as an incoming freshman here at a time in which that position has never appeared to be more elite after what Georgia did in 2021 along the way to winning a national championship and Williams emerging the way that he did over the finale of his senior year to become you know, a a guy that reminds you, at least in the way that he looks. I mean, I even said this, you know, going back before the season began, given the way that he carries himself, given the way that he just kind of enters a room. There's a lot about Mikael Williams that does remind you of a guy like Trayvon Walker, who obviously just finished a sterling career at UGA. I've said that many times, that, that there's a lot about Williams that kind of reminds me of that. But when the same kind of question was posed to a Kirby Smart earlier this week, Smart maybe also kind of, you know, similar vein to what we just heard from Kendall Milton, desperately wants to pump the brakes on all of that kind of talk. So the same way in which Kendall Milton encourages patience and players, patience from fans in terms of how they view players, Kirby Smart maybe even more emphatically sharing the same message when it came to a question about Mikael Williams a little earlier this week. This is Kirby.
2: Too early to tell. I mean, look, the expectation is – you know, you guys put so much expectation on these guys. I mean, I'm just trying to get Mike Hill to know what a six technique is and a nine technique is, just like I did with Trevon when he first got here. So, you know, he didn't have to be Trevon Walker. That's not what he has to do. And we're not going to replace Trevon Walker with – we don't have another Trevon Walker. You know, those guys are once-in-a-lifetime players. They're that size and that speed. So, um, we're going to coach the guys we got. We're going to, you know, teach them to play really hard, play really physical um and not have an expectation that they get compared to someone else because i don't like those comparisons
0: so like the one thing i would push back on kirby a little bit is if like mainstream media didn't talk about recruiting at all guys like mikhail williams would still for the most part be just as hyped as they are the level of attention they get is something that kind of starts below the media the media kind of exists to serve the interest in the the the, the need that's already there because guys like Mikael Williams would be getting hyped from social media and from, you know, things like that, you know, fan chats and things like that, even if no mainstream media attention came their way. So this is one of those things I don't quite think you can blame the media on. But generally speaking, I, I do think that smarts probably correct on this, which is that Hey, you can't expect too much from Mikael Williams too soon, nor could you have expected too much from Kendall Milton too soon in his freshman season. That's not to say there are never freshman phenoms. That's not that's not what that is to say. There are occasionally going to be the outlier, the freshman who pops right away, and you know, that's always cool when it happens, but if it doesn't happen, we shouldn't assume anything about the player in question there. In other words, just because you're late doesn't mean you won't eventually be great. Just because you have to wait doesn't mean you won't eventually be great. We see examples of that happening all the time. Maybe that's about to happen for Kendall Milton here this year. Maybe that'll eventually happen for a guy like Mikhail Williams. Maybe there will be other Georgia names for whom that is true in this upcoming season. And it is not just Georgia where this story is true this is one of those things that i think as we look at the georgia program we need to be reminded of but as we look at college football in general we kind of need to be reminded of there as well because all of this discussion what kirby just said what kendall milton just said actually kind of reminded me of another tweet that i saw this week let me show you this from field yates on twitter now anytime you try to predict an nfl draft more than a year away it's notoriously incorrect there's just a million examples of that but what Field Yates, who's an ESPN NFL draft analyst, said on Twitter this week is that the 2023 draft is going to take place in Kansas City. And he says his early mock draft is some team's going to take CJ Stroud, number one overall. That's the Ohio State quarterback. Some team's going to take Bryce Young, number two overall. That's the Alabama quarterback. And the third team's going to take Will Anderson number three overall so that's who he thinks the top three picks are going to be Stroud Young and Anderson now Anderson is an example of one of those freshmen who was just kind of good right away and every now and then you're going to have that kind of unicorn emerge where from the word go he was about as good as it got but in the case of the two quarterbacks and yeah in this upcoming season we're going to hear a lot about Stroud and Young Young's already the Heisman Trophy winner and certainly heading towards the 2023 NFL draft the one more than a year away you assume you're going to be hearing a lot about Stroud and Young. But consider this just for a moment. Both Stroud and Young, who broke out in big ways in the 2021 season, were also on their team's roster in 2020. And almost... you know both guys neither guy really played very much at all they were backups but they didn't play very much and stroud to begin this season at ohio state despite the fact by the end of the year that he was playing almost as well as any quarterback in the country was at the very beginning of the year for those of you that watch a lot of college football and pay attention to this stuff closely do you remember stroud on the road week 1 at minnesota to begin the season the numbers don't look all that bad he- 50 something percent of his passes was the worst number from the day there but the folks who watched that game saw whoa deer in headlights young quarterback on the road some Ohio State fans were left to be worried of "Ooh, what's going on with our guy you know is this is C.J. Stroud is he overrated is he not fit to be the Ohio State quarterback And what was actually true is, no, he was a young quarterback in a big spot for the first time, and that was a little overwhelming. But by two, three weeks later, he was playing like among the very best in the country. And that's typically what Ohio State quarterbacks kind of do. Uh, same thing for a guy like Bryce Young waiting a year to go out there and play but finally getting his chance in 2021 and showing what it's all about so this isn't just Georgia in which this is true for it is true a lot across college football but we care about UGA so we'll say that it's especially true here the guys like Kendall Milton do have to wait sometimes and when they do oftentimes that patience is rewarded a guy like uh Mikael Williams may be doing the same thing on the defensive side of the ball right now We want players to be patient, to wait their turn and then dominate when they get their chance. But we as fans and someone like me who speaks as a fan on the media here, we probably ought to remember the same thing there, too, that our own patience, giving guys a chance to grow into a role on campus, giving guys a chance to learn, giving guys a chance to figure some things out. If the players are going to be patient, maybe we as fans ought to be a little bit patient there as well. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Starting at 945 on our first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those video platforms. Radio Noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast, Apple, Spotify, all the different uh, podcast players. Just really, really happy to have you a part of the program today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger to make everything possible because you know at Kroger savings are always a slam dunk when you stop by there at your local Kroger store today obviously you're getting ready to watch a lot of hoops here this weekend and you're getting stocked up there too maybe for watching parties or just hanging out uh, all kind of fun stuff that's going on you can go to your Kroger store or shop online check out Kroger.com slash basketball for more on that that's Kroger.com slash basketball for more on that and before we're done today we'll announce our winner from yesterday's Kroger fuel for an upset in the uh, big tournament and then we will give you one more chance to win on that today and y'all, we have got to make sure that uh, people see i'm getting yelled at behind the scenes here because uh some of y'all are sending in these crazy submissions i'm gonna try to explain this one more time today uh now we've gotten tons of very very good upset picks and things like that and we'll as i said before we've drawn a winner from uh from some who have correctly submitted their upset but we're going to remind ourselves one more time what an upset here is in a, just a minute we'll do that here coming up in a uh, little bit but you got to follow directions in this otherwise they're going to say i'm not explaining it right so we will do that here coming up in just a little bit here on dog nation daily presented by kroger before that though around the doghouse uh of course jeff's intel comes up in a little bit of time but for now around the doghouse and a little bit more from kendall milton and as i told you a moment ago in my little preamble i really am excited about what the Georgia running back situation might be this year. I liked it a lot last year. James Cook and Samir White were pivotal players along the way toward, towards a national championship. But there's a part of me that wants to get greedy every now and then. There's a part of me that wants to say, wow, imagine how much the Todd Munkin offense works already. Passing game at Georgia has probably been more efficient than it's ever been. What if you could pair a 2017-2018 style rushing attack to go along with a Todd Munkin 2021 passing attack? what would that equation look like? What would that add up to for UGA? Hard not to be excited about that. And in light of all that, Milton yesterday, who is a very articulate speaker, really addressed a lot of the the pivotal players, the key figures that could factor into making this Georgia running game uh, impressive this upcoming season, including, as we said before, his patience paying off. And now he and uh, Kenny McIntosh, get to kind of be the tandem of backs. Georgia seems to always have that tandem. It's probably been Samir White, James Cook the last couple of years. Now it appears to be Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. And the idea of that group being the dynamic duo for this upcoming season is not something that Milton shied away from yesterday. Talked about that openly. This is Kendall again.
1: You know, I feel like it's kind of just a a pass the torch situation. You know, like I said, um, everybody comes in with people in front of them and you kind of, like I said, just soak it in, just be a sponge. And I feel like, you know, they're they're moved on. they you know, chasing their dreams at this point. And I feel like it's just kind of the torch pass where me and Kenny, we both have to step up and take on those leadership roles because at the end of the day, we're kind of the older guys on the team. So, you know, it's our responsibility to, you know, kind of lead that role
0: all right so that's cool stuff and it's kind of fun to think about the time being passed but it's actually the next clip i want to play for you that i think is maybe the most interesting thing that milton said yesterday let me try to explain this explain this this way maybe this won't be as interesting to you as it is to me you know that's the case then that's okay but imagine this for a moment we just heard off the top of the show milton saying hey you just gotta wait everybody's good here patience will be rewarded if you kind of wait that's you know basically paraphrasing what he said and now the baton is being passed to me it's being passed to Kenny McIntosh and now James Cook, Zamir White are going to go on to very fruitful productive NFL careers and now it's our turn to to take the baton from them and be the leaders in this room they once were and yet Milton knowing that his patience might be rewarded and he finally gets his chance to show how good he is still openly talks about how good other players in that position group we sometimes think about it as like a meeting room and that running back room how good those guys are and Milton really threw a lot of praise yesterday in the direction of another running back dejon Edwards and this is the kind of thing I feel like you get a lot of it George and I don't think we should discount this the willingness of players to praise other players, even though that these players in one respect are competing against each other. There's only so many touches to go around, even in a place like Georgia, where, you know, you score a lot of points, things like that. There's still a limited, finite amount of opportunities to be the guy. Milton clearly wants to, who wouldn't want to. And yet along his way to maybe becoming that also notices good things that the guys who are competing with him for some of that glory, are doing there as well. This I think is uncommon, but it's good from Kendall Milton once again from yesterday.
1: Dejounte, that's, that's one that's one guy that I think um, a lot of people sleep on. You know, when you see Dejounte every day in practice, he has uh, a killer dead leg that it's almost unstoppable, and he has great balance, great speed, great power. So you know, I feel like Dejan he's definitely going to surprise a lot of people this year. He's somebody that he has a lot of the oohs and ahs in practices because just because you know he has a big playmaking ability.
0: So brief confession, I don't think I'm quite cool enough to know exactly what a dead leg is. I, I sort of have a little bit of an idea, but I'm probably not quite cool enough to, to fully explain what a uh, a dead leg is, but it's a good a funny description from Kendall Milton, but I do know this. Milton says, "Hey, the baton is passed to me, but y'all are sleeping on one of my backups or one of the guys that has we have commonly assumed to be behind Milton on the depth chart y'all are sleeping on him uh some of the oohs and ahs in practice they're not coming to me they're not coming to Kenny McIntosh who's you know done all kinds of great things in a Georgia uniform already including throwing a touchdown in the, uh, in, the in the orange bowl a lot of the oohs and ahs from practice are going to Dejon Edwards y'all talk about him don't just talk about me even though I've been patient and waiting my turn I still uh don't want to have all the spotlight on me because I like Dejon Edwards Deserve some of that spotlight too. As I said before, I think that's pretty cool. I, I think that's the kind of thing that you do seem to get a lot of at Georgia, where eagerness to show as a player what you're all about also is accompanied with an eagerness to have your teammates do the same thing even though in one respect theoretically you're competing for a finite amount of glory and attention i think that's pretty cool and and for milton it extends beyond just guys who've been on this roster it extends to the next crop of incoming freshmen guys like branson robinson for instance who much the same way, at one point in time, we were all just like, hey, when's Kendall Milton going to show what he's all about? Now it's, hey, how long is Branson Robinson going to have to wait? We've been a part of all of those conversations, and patience was the right thing for Milton. It's the right thing still for Robinson. But admittedly, when you think about the duo of freshman running backs coming here for the upcoming season, Milton's excited about having those guys in the fold there too, more good stuff from him from yesterday
1: especially with the um, two backs we got coming in. I feel like our running back room is going to be just how the past year's was where we're, you know, four or five running backs deep in the room. And um, especially for the younger guys, I feel like them coming in, it's almost a perfect time because, you know, they're going to come in and it's basically going to be work. They're going to come in, get thrown in the fire. And that's what makes players better when you kind of just got to go out there and just kind of fend for yourself type of type of deal. So, you know, I'm excited for the the group we have coming in this year.
0: Simple point to close all this out in a, Room or on a field in which every athlete is elite physically, it is the mental characteristics that will separate the best from the rest. And that's true of Georgia playing against an Alabama or an Ohio State or one of those teams like that. And that's true for the players competing with each other in the practice field to be one of the guys on the field the most. That when everyone's an elite athlete, the person who can also find an elite mindset, that's the person who's going to put himself in the best position to succeed. And oftentimes that's difficult to predict but certainly listening to the way in which a guy talks gives you some sense about that and man when when Kendall Milton speaks whether it be you know what he says about being patient or what he says about the other running backs in the room boy it sounds like what you want to hear doesn't it It sounds like a guy whose head is really screwed on straight in the right way as he approaches such a pivotal season for him and it's fun to think what he and Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards and a collection of freshman running backs what they might be able to do for the upcoming season this has been RBU for a long time for a reason and these uh, guys here for this upcoming year I think they kind of want to continue that great heritage at UGA should be fun to see how that all plays out we are around the dog house here on dog nation daily presented by Kroger and that is good stuff to get things started here today but there's a lot of recruiting talk to discuss there as well Key updates on Arch Manning, another uh, big prospect who took a visit to Georgia last week. What's exactly going on there? More big visitors lined up for this upcoming weekend, too. So much ground to cover. No better guy to do that with than our buddy Jeff Sintel. So let's do it here on a Friday as we get our weekend started. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We will uh, talk to Jeff Sintel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. A lot of good stuff from Jeff Centel on the pages of dognation.com over the course of the last week or so uh, involving five-star quarterback Arch Manning. Uh, There's a lot I want to get to with you about that, Jeff. I thought it was really interesting, though, to kind of start with this, then we'll kind of uh, roll into something else. You know, you had a chance to speak to his high school coach there at uh, Isidore Newman uh, from Louisiana, and it was really interesting to hear the ways in which this figure very close to the Manning family you would presume the word that that he used in your story and that really jumped at me was the idea of this kind of an old school recruitment that it almost doesn't really fit into a lot of maybe even the recruiting uh, 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 conversations that his contemporaries here as quarterbacks in the 2023 class are currently participating in what do you make of Manning as either an outlier of the modern age or an example that maybe things haven't changed all that much when it comes to the recruiting process, that some of the best are still making uh, their decisions based on some of the same old, you know, bricks and mortar stuff that we have considered there in the past, good fit with the teammates and the school and the coaches and everything else. What do you make of that aspect of the Arch Manning recruitment right now?
2: Well, uh, happy, happy Friday, everybody. Brandon, I guess it's great to talk about Arch Manning this week. Um, You know, First of all, let's be real. Uh, when we think of the last name Manning, we think of the ultimate pitch man, right? I think they've sold everything possible underneath the sun at some point or another and with great success. Uh, I think what's different, I think what's different here is what's understood doesn't really need to be said is that when Arch Manning gets somewhere and and gets uh, under center and probably doesn't even need to be QB1 yet then those NIL opportunities at whichever college football mecca he chooses are going to be bountiful, plentiful. But on the front end, they don't want to make that decision based on anything like that. Uh, Arch basically has a very private Instagram account. He has a Snapchat account, nothing much on Twitter. His head coach kind of marveled and felt fortunate in the fact that Arch doesn't have to say he's blessed to announce anything in terms of offers or, or anything like that. And It goes back to something his father, Cooper, uh, when they sort of set the boundaries on all things Arch Manning and this recruitment, Brandon, pretty fascinating. He said, I want us to make this as much like a 1970s recruitment as possible. And he used the word bubble up and that's what they've done. And it's not that Arch isn't a a gracious young man and carries in the carries the Manning school of charm, especially when he's in front of the lens. It It has nothing to do with that. It's just that they want him to kind of have a normal life, kind of want him to, before everything gets really, really crazy, and he gets inundated with everything. And, I mean, it's funny, Brandon, his coach, I kind of thought it was a fascinating sub-story that he basically budgets a certain time out of his day, every day, to deal with interview requests and to deal with kind of trying to trying to make sure a lot of those requests are answered or, or maybe the best requests are the most you know, forthright requests are answered. And then to kind of go about trying to coach a football team that's going to try to contend for a Louisiana State championship. Very different. I mean, everybody thinks a Newman is like that's where the Manning boys went. But Odell Beckham Jr. also went there. So they've had yeah. some players there in the past. Uh, it's just interesting to see. And, and, you know, Brandon, I want your take on this because I think it's really important. I kind of look at this through the prism as, okay, it's it's a Manning. It's the last name Manning. But going through our Georgia football history here, I don't think the volume could have been dialed up any higher among the Georgia fans with what Jacob Eason did, with what Justin Fields did, with probably the decisions made by Brock Vandegriff as well. I mean, sure, the last name draws more national appeal, but I don't know if the Georgia people can get any more excited about a quarterback than they have in years past about some of those other luminaries.
0: Okay, so I think that's a very interesting point. I think that Justin Fields, I would rank as the biggest deal in what I think of as kind of the Dog Nation era. You and I have been doing this together since 2015. I think that Fields is the biggest deal of all over the course of that time, bigger than Jacob Eason, I would say. And I I do think it would be hard for Manning to match that um, because of the fact that Fields was the local product. He was, you know, from the Atlanta area. It was very easy to to make that into a bigger deal. However, I'm also going to tell you this, Jeff, and I know you know this. The Manning attention really hasn't even really gotten started yet. Like, like we're doing this now, and obviously our audience is pretty plugged in, so they're already paying attention to this. But there are hundreds of thousands of people. It's almost like an election where it's like, you know, some people watch cable news all the time. But a huge portion of the people who vote don't actually start paying attention to it until like the day before they go to the polls. There is a certain (laughs) aspect where that's true with with this there as well. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are going to care a lot about Arch Manning eventually, but don't know that now. And and that's when that famous last name is going to pick up the person that only casually follows recruiting, if at all. Uh, eventually he or she's going to be made very well aware of Arch Manning and it's going to become a very big deal. It's already a big deal, one of the more interesting names. I think you and I can mention in a conversation like this, but the level of fame that he will have with Georgia fans eventually, we haven't even gotten beyond the tip of the iceberg on that yet.
2: It sounds fun, man, because, I mean, I I had this conversation with somebody that knows what they're talking about and uh, we were talking about it. and It's like I said something kind of humbly is like, man, it's not like it's not like the Georgia quarterback room is going to get any more polarizing or less polarizing with potentially a Manning in the fold because several high-profile decisions did. Why did Georgia not play Justin Fields? Why did uh, Georgia play Justin Bennett? Why did you know? And then it might it might be why is the Manning boy not playing yet? I mean, it, it, I think I think the Georgia fan base is definitely, I guess, weathered and experienced and dealing all kinds of pointing fingers at the quarterback depth chart.
0: And I'll also add this, Jeff, you know, the idea of a 1970s recruitment. While I don't think this is what the coach meant when he said that, there are different, you know, sort of ideas <laughs> of what recruiting was like in the 1970s. On the one hand, that could have been Burt Reynolds' Transam Am in your carport too as well. <laughs> there was an element of 1970s recruiting that was probably a little bit more like that as well, if we're going to be, uh, you know, fully honest here for a moment.
2: I mean, the modern equivalent is if Arch Manning you know, pulls up to campus day one or workout in a fully loaded Tesla or whatever. Sure. But nobody's really going to wonder what happened there because they're going to be like, well, the family's got a lot of money.
0: Yeah, the, 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 that, would, that would be also kind of a 1970s-style uh, recruitment there as well. One must uh, kind of admit. Yeah. A couple more things on this. So the official news that came out on Manning this week, post-Georgia visit is obviously obviously he's visiting uh, Texas here this now now, but he's also got the announced scheduled visit coming up to Alabama there as well and what this reminds me of is there have been national reports about, hey, maybe Florida gets back involved here because of a new coach. Maybe LSU gets back involved here because of a new coach. And I'm kind of ask you almost the same question I asked you last week of, you know, how much do you see more than just the Georgia-Texas battle for, for Manning? How real is the Bama part of this? Uh, and, and and the likelihood that, as has been predicted, eventually a Florida or LSU could kind of – or maybe even the, uh, the sentimental favorite Ole Miss – that they could work their way back into a discussion like this.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Brandon, because this morning news is trickling out that he's going to visit LSU sometime this spring as well. Um, you know, but sometimes I, from doing this a lot of years, I kind of watch the tea leaves, and sometimes the tea leaves that everyone's focused on is not not the eye candy that they should be. I saw a couple of weeks ago, it was that uh, Eli Holston was committed to A&M, Texas A&M, and uh, he'd be committed. And that was really behind the scenes. The feeling was that that Bama was making a strong push for Eli Holston. And you see subsequently that Eli makes two consecutive trips or plans two consecutive trips to Alabama in rapid fire fashion. And you sit there and you go, well, why is Alabama reaching out to a Texas A&M commit and really starting to apply the honey and, you know, sweetness in his ear and everything else like that. Well, that's probably because they don't feel their chances are as yeah. stout as others with Arch Manning. And see, so you see the dominoes, not so much dominoes, but it's almost like, you know, you're going to pull that piece out of Texas A&M and maybe think about that from Alabama because it's not working in another spot for Alabama. That's kind of the way things are kind of really going right now. I think, I think he's probably going to make the user election strategy uh, parallel right there. I think that's kind of what he's going to do. He's going to take a lap lap around a lot of schools that were kind of in it. Um, I, I I just really think it's going to be very hard for this decision to go anywhere except for Texas or Georgia, especially the way Georgia keeps knocking these visits out of the park. And it's not just, Oh, Georgia had a great visit. It's that you know, Arch really likes a lot of guys that are going to potentially play for Georgia in this class. And, he also likes the, the Todd Munkin offense. He likes the fact Kirby Smart. The relationship was built initially through those Matt Luke connections, and then Georgia has kind of weathered the transition from Matt Luke There is his key relationship or an early key relationship at Georgia. I think really, Brandon, I'm going to say this every time Manning comes up and should he eventually choose Georgia, I think the biggest reason why he would choose Georgia besides the fact that he. That George is in the mix every year with a lot of players and a lot of the weapons he would need is he just wants to go against a really salty defense every day in practice because yeah. the Manning know that that's how you get really good you get really good in practice every day going against the best players in the country and I think that's maybe the the silver bullet or the magic ingredient in what George is trying to do here and trying to recruit Arch Manning besides the fact that I heard that you know Millage Avenue was 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 pretty much undefeated last weekend in terms of making sure the boys in town knew what the life at the university sure. of Georgia was going to
0: be like. As one would expect. Hey, one more thing on the uh, Manning thing. I want to talk about some other guys here for a moment. and you know, I, this may sound silly, but I'm actually being serious about this. So there was some news this week. that The sec is hiring David Cutcliffe and I'm not even really sure what he's doing for the sec, but he was supposed to be an analyst at Texas and now he's not going to be, he's going to work for the Southeastern conference instead. Um, This is a family, you know, a figure that the Manning family is really close to. You know, Cutcliffe being at Texas as an analyst, I assume would have helped Texas there. And now that he's working you know, for the Southeastern Conference, um, that doesn't hurt, does it?
2: I mean, I'm sure it doesn't preclude the fact that Texas is going to join the SEC and he's not getting ready and everything else like that. I mean, you know, Brandon, for for me, I think the Cutcliffe uh, thing there – I think I think I think the reason why Texas would win uh, the Arch Manning recruitment is going to come down on the belief in Sarkeesian and his offense mm-hmm. and how well before Arch Manning gets there that Texas shows the world that they're ready to win big time college football games or they're arrived at the program. Quinn Ewers is going to be in the way, but I think really is Texas needs to make a big step um, very soon to to really show and you know Manning's probably going to be committed by the time Texas either wins three games or loses three games in in 2022 but I think it's really going to bulk on Sarkisian his offense and the confidence in what they feel Texas can be long term because Texas is going to have to put together a whole lot of years of great football on runway to match what Georgia or Alabama
0: has done so far so let me write the narrative for you then Jeff this is something that might make me, make me happier than anything I ever could What if Georgia, as a way of negatively recruiting against Texas, just simply showed film of Sarkeesian as Falcons offensive coordinator a few years ago and how much of a wretched stench emanated from his play calling while he was here in Atlanta? Uh, I'd love nothing more than to get something out of that dumpster fire to say hey hey are you sure you want to play for the guy that was calling these plays now admittedly Sarkeesian I think was a terrific play caller at Alabama but to think that we could get something out of the uh, horrid nature of his time as Falcons offensive coordinator as maybe a reminder I'm not quite sure I want to hitch my wagon to that guy necessarily Uh, if I was writing a story that is the way I might write that story.
2: So, Brandon, that might be a Dog Nation daily first, at least while we've been hanging out together on the line. I've never heard you use the word horrid, dumpster fire, and wretched stench together in a soliloquy without it referring to the Florida Gators before. So there there you go. Check that out on your bingo cards, guys. You got all three of those in the line without even using the Florida Gators there.
0: For sure. All right, let me go through a few other things kind of quickly because we did a lot on Arch Manning there. So LT Overton was also uh, in town last weekend. Uh, I think the general thought has been here because of a number of reasons, you know, I guess previous ties for the father to the school and everything else, that maybe Texas A&M is the favorite here for uh, Lebius Lt. Overton. From your standpoint, did Georgia do anything to close the gap on that with the uh, visit this past weekend?
2: Here's an interesting take, Brandon. I don't know if it's A&M anymore. It might be Oregon uh, as a kind of a, a lead dog DOG in that recruitment Uh, you know, Oregon just makes a lot of sense. Oregon didn't load up and get scattered, smothered and covered with elite DLs in the 2022 class. And uh, Oregon's going to have some NIL packages as well. Uh, And it's going to be, he did really like Georgia's Dan Landing. I think, I think he said this the last time we spoke and it's really felt indicative this week when, you know, Overton was going to be in town last weekend, but he wasn't, in when a lot of everybody else was in because he had his prom last weekend so like Arch Manning and a lot of the 2023s were in on like Friday Saturday and then uh LT Overton's um, official visit with his older brother didn't really didn't really run in step with that uh with that visit it, it, it's it's just kind he got to see practice but it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those that's like not a lot of reader interest, not a lot of fan interest. I didn't get a lot of message from, messages from folks on the forum, forum.dognation.com. You just didn't really feel a lot of buzz. There wasn't a lot of retweeted pictures coming out from his official visit yet um, with everything there with LP Overton. I, I think it's really interesting how that recruitment has changed because, yeah. you, know, you know, Brandon, he would have been one of the dudes there that, you know, when he was making the 2023 visit, those things would hear; they would basically be trumpeting by the city limits when he was entering the city limits with limits with bugle calls and everything else. And it's really evolved into something that's really unexpected. I would think.
0: I'll say this: if you want to game this out for a moment, I think the point you bring up is a pretty interesting. One, you know, if it takes two scholarships to win with LT Overton because the brother's part of a package deal, with all due respect, you know, I don't quite think that's something that Georgia should do. I just don't think Georgia's got the roster room to do that. Nor do I think the Texas A&M probably does that either. But if I was Oregon, I'd do it in a heartbeat because, let's be honest, there's probably a lot of you know dead scholarships out there anyway in, in the Pac-12. So you know, in the case of Dan Lanning, whatever you're going to do to get an elite player, um, I think you do that in the early stages. So if that's what it comes down to, I think Lanning is an entirely different scenario here than probably Jimbo Fisher or Kirby Smart would probably find themselves in.
2: Kind of an investment strategy where you're going to invest in the future because Danny's going to have – Dan Lanning's gonna have four or five really good years at Oregon before he's expected to be a, a championship roster. He'll probably do it in two or three. But uh and then the other thing, the physicality of the guys. I mean, Overton's gonna look like a really impressive one of the most impressive incoming Pac twelve prospects in the entire conference. Sure. Where he'd, he'd have a hard time cracking the top five at either Georgia or uh Texas A and M, maybe just just in the front seven. That's just that's just factual.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting to see how, how it plays out. He is still a prospect that I am interested in, uh, but this is uh, certainly a very uh, unique recruitment just given the reclassification and everything else. All right, a couple final things before we let you go. Uh, Carnell Tate, five star wide receiver, IMG Academy. Uh, he let it be known earlier this week that he is planning on being in Athens. So uh, Georgia's pursuit of elite wide receivers uh, under Brian McClendon, that's uh, getting kind of interesting uh, right now. And also after a big weekend of visitors last weekend, looks like it's going to continue for the dogs here uh, right now this weekend too, Jeff.
2: Huge. Let me ring the dinner bell really, really loud on your program for this because Brandon, the receivers, they're coming. That's one thing bmacs doing. He's getting them in the building. Huge visitor. He's actually in Athens right now. Uh, Hakeem Williams, I guess, Brandon, I'm going to say this. He's a number eight wide receiver. He's number 42 in the country. I think he's significantly significantly better than that. Uh, he's visiting Georgia uh, this weekend. It was a long-awaited trip. I think, Brandon, this is a visit where Georgia kind of secures its top three status there, at least with uh, Hakeem Williams there uh, out of South Florida uh carnell tate uh you've got richard young brandon that's yeah, one name big name that he, i mean i'm kind of trying to be measured with all the hype there on richard young because i think i think george is going to have a little bit of work to do against alabama and ohio state and schools like that but he's back in town this weekend it looks like he's visiting a lot of places ohio state florida florida state those are the places he's been recently Let's not forget Richard Young is the nation's number one running back for 2023. Georgia certainly needs to re-up with two stellar running backs in 2022. Excuse me, in 2023. Um, I know a lot of the names that Georgia fans are focusing on is Re- are Ruben Owens. There's some Manning attachments there, uh, but also Justice Haynes. But I'm going to tell you, anybody in the country would take Richard Young in the heartbeat. He's that talented. He's that physically talented. Uh, he's a worker um that's another guy that he's in town this weekend and all of a sudden this weekend brandon is is not catching a whole lot of the uh, of the dust of how impressive last weekend visitors were another name i got to be sure to mention i wanted to make sure we really wrote up his story this week in dog on dog com. also in town friday and saturday two-day visit and uh, everybody's If they've been on dognation.com over the last two days, they'll know the visual aid I'm talking about. That's the side-by-side picture of Jordan Davis and Jamal, big, young, mall, Jarrett. And really, if you look at that picture, Brandon, it's from the national championship celebration. Uh, Jamal Jarrett is on the left. And the slightly, slightly not-so-large human on the right would be Jordan Davis. Those guys are pretty much eye-to-eye. Uh, Jordan's a little bit more cut, a little bit more fit, but, uh, this is a young man that's just really barnstormed the last two defensive line camps he's been to, um, really loves Georgia a lot. Georgia is special to him already. And it's, there's a lot of similar threads. Like I'm not going to be a guy that's going to ring that Jordan Davis bell too hard because I don't know if Jamal Jarrett can move as well as Jordan Davis. He has the 4.78 time in the forty but he's pretty good, and the things that stick out to me is a young man from North Carolina, a young man that Trey Scott was already dissecting his film in his junior year while he was recruiting Travis Shaw off the same team at Grimsley High School last year. That's the 2022 five-star who signed with North Carolina, and then also the recruiting industry was kind of scratching their heads on this young man as well, trying to figure out, is he an offensive lineman? Is he a defensive lineman? I think on three and twenty four seven sports still lists Jamal Jarrett as an offensive tackle prospect, and but in all these things we've heard these before. Those That's are right. The same chords we heard with Jordan Davis.
0: It, it is true, and I was going to ask about uh, 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 Jarrett to finish things out because I did see the picture and I thought it was uh, great, and I think you know a lot of us have certainly learned to appreciate if we didn't already before. But uh, after uh, the Jordan Davis career what it's like to have that big space eater in the middle of your defense you know how valuable Davis was and obviously that's a lot for anybody to live up to but to see the photographic evidence side by side and dognation.com people can see it but to see that photographic evidence you know side by side is a reminder that Jamal Jarrett is a big dude for sure and uh you know certainly guys like that when they are visiting Georgia are going to be you know given the the tales of uh, Jordan Davis that's going to be one of those legends that lives on in recruiting stories For many years to come, maybe Jamal Jarrett, the first example of what a lot of recruits are going to be hearing in future years of if you come here, you may have a chance to do exactly what Jordan Davis did.
2: And Brandon, Jamal told me it was impactful to him to be there inside Sanford Stadium on January the fifteenth when they were celebrating the national championship, and he saw Jordan Davis kind of go through his career arc at Georgia, the low times, the high times, the grind times, and he said to him, it almost looked to him like Jordan was about to cry. It was so meaningful to him. And, you know, Brandon, that's exactly what Jamal Jarrett is looking for. The story I love is last year, uh, Trey Scott has already had him on his double ears perked up where he was watching his junior film. And he reaches out to Jamal when they're, when they're talking because that's at a time when Jamal has to initiate all the conversations. But he goes, he goes man, what's going on here? Now, you know I would love you but that right there that ain't cutting it what are you doing right there hmm. and he basically called Jamal out and he's like yeah I know coach I gotta be better than that I don't want to do it again I'm sorry I promise I'll get better and when you hear that sort of thing Brandon happening a year in advance of when the young man's going to make his decision that's good for Georgia
0: Jeff great stuff it's certainly good for uh, Georgia fans here to have you breaking down all the recruiting news the way that you have thanks for being here on dog nation daily presented by Kroger hope you have a Great weekend, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you again very soon.
2: Thanks, thanks, Brennan. Everybody have a good weekend.
0: You as well, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Group. Always fun to catch up with uh, Jeff Sintel, talk some UGA recruiting. And what's really cool is a lot of folks going to have a chance to do that themselves in person on board the gorgeous independence of the seas from our friends at royal caribbean when we take the first ever cruise with dog nation coming up in the month of april it's getting very close april 25th we're leaving out of port canaveral Onboard independence of the seas, going to NASA on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco okay It's going to be an extraordinary experience. And listen, this is one of those things that I know the Royal Caribbean cruise ships well. I was just on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship not all that long ago. And I am fired up with this one because it's going to be my chance to be with a lot of Georgia fans, a lot of folks who connect with us on a regular basis here on Dog Nation. And we're just gonna have a good time. We've been having some meetings and some discussions and some planning about all the thing we're gonna do and I just can't wait to, you know, do some of that kind of stuff. But also just kinda of kick back and relax and, you know Normally, when we're you know public event or something like that, it's always you know very quick, right? It's like one of those deals of hey, we're here for a couple of hours, but then we got to go, and everybody's always got stuff to do. Well, on the cruise ship, nobody's got anything to do but just kick back and relax, and we're going to do a lot of that. And there is still a little bit of time for you to join us, so you can have. A great meal with us at playmaker sports bar on board the ship we can go do some fun things a perfect day coke okay we can sit around have a beverage at the lime and coconut around the uh, pool area uh if you've been you know kind of thinking hey i need a vacation why not take a vacation with dog nation why not take a dog nation vacation if you will uh, on board independence of the seas with us very first ever cruise with dog nation cannot wait to have you for that if you go to DogNation.com, there's a link right at the top of the page you can also check out dog our friends at the cruise and vacation authority helping us get this booked up and we're gonna have a great time and you're gonna hear me say a lot more about it but if you want to act and be a part of the fun and not be a part of the wishing you could have been on board uh, the time to do that is right now because we're almost to the end of march here and i mean it's literally what is it is the it 25th today's 25th we are literally one month away today it is exactly one month away today so uh get on board let's get ready to do that so as we go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean here today i want to go back to something i was talking to jeff about a moment ago so former duke head coach former old miss head coach david cutcliffe has been hired by the sec we have a graphic from the league here he's the special assistant to the commissioner for football relations and you know putting him in the sec you kind of wonder does that uh help uh <laughs> uga with arch manning I, I i don't know uh as i said to jeff probably can't hurt but let me go back to why i think the presence of a guy like cutcliffe on the texas campus could have been valuable for the longhorns clearly that's a a family relationship Cut, uh, cutcliffe was uh, peyton manning's head uh, offensive coordinator archie uh, <laughs> get all these names straight cutcliffe was peyton manning's offensive coordinator at tennessee he was eli manning's head coach at old miss so he's known the manning family for quite some time But here's the other deal. And you've heard me say this before. When it comes to Texas, eventually they will be in the SEC. But how much do they feel like an SEC program right now when it comes to these kinds of recruiting battles? I'm honestly curious of that. And frankly, I'm not quite so sure I know that if you look at the slogan for the city of Austin, a lot of you know what it is. It's keep Austin weird. There's a certain kind of, I guess, you know, I don't even hipster element uh, to Austin. They like the idea of it being kind of a weird town, and that makes Austin cool to a lot of people. There's a lot of tech money in Austin now. Think about the South by Southwest festival, and you know a lot of things that go on there. And you know it's it's kind of a strangely cosmopolitan place. Um, you know, I would say that that Athens is a great town, but. Austin's much bigger you know in some respects it's state capital a lot more people you know kind of live there as cool as Athens is is it is a smaller spot than kind of Austin is but the the size the scope of it also does make it I think in the eyes of you know some in the SEC community a little weird. I mean they like to be weird and it is a little weird. Texas is certainly kind of an outlier weird never really felt uh, like it fit in all that well with a lot of the Big 12 schools. In fact, there's a lot of, you know, Big 12 schools that had open disdain uh, for Texas. As Texas gets ready to enter the SEC and gets ready to compete more on an equal recruiting footing with some of these SEC schools, and uh, that's clearly cl- uh, clearly what they're going to try to do, you know, can they make themselves feel like an SEC school? I think a lot of folks would say Austin feels pretty good, a bit different than that in some respects it's just one of those things you kind of have to answer here and i've told you before that i feel like the arch manning recruitment in a lot of ways is kind of a bellwether recruitment i think it gives you an indication of you know what is happening in college football what might be about to happen you know what might not be happening anymore i think in a lot of ways this manning recruitment is going to give us a sense of what the immediate future in the sport's going to look like uh interesting story coming out of uh, baton rouge and this is one of those things it's not like a hot take type thing it's just This is just kind of what football is. So Keishon Boutte is a very good wide receiver from LSU, but he's been injured and apparently while injured and he had, I guess, a little bit of an injury setback where he had to go back, I believe, and another surgery again. And we know sometimes that happens and that's really frustrating for players. But apparently, the sense that I'm get coming, getting coming out of LSU is is that with Boutte's injury, maybe he's been a little bit removed from the team while being injured. And the sense that we get, I'm going to read you a couple of tweets here from Tiger Droppings. But the the, the sense that we get here is that um, maybe Brian Kelly doesn't really feel like he knows Kayshawn Butte all that well. Let me just read you a couple quotes here. It says uh, Kelly was asked about Boute this week, saying we're in the process of building a relationship. I know his last name right now. In other words, I, hey, I don't know him all that well. I do know what his last name is, but I don't know him much beyond that. He says, I say that because we're reengaging. He's been injured. He's had a second surgery, but we're getting more acquainted every day brian kelly going on to say look he's a great player he's a good kid but this has been a rough spot for him what happens is that you tend to get distracted when you're not involved in everything but he's learning he has to be involved in everything whether he's injured or not and i think a lot of what kelly says there is probably true but here's what's also true and this is not like me taking a jab this is just a fact or at least it's perceived to be a fact by a lot of people is that for all of kelly's strengths as a coach like the one thing that he is not particularly well thought of is like super warm and fuzzy, like like the kind of warm, engaging personality. It certainly kind of seems like at times Kelly has been comfortable being abrasive and comfortable, you know, kind of being a little standoffish. And I would not say that that a magnetic personality has been a part of kelly's success story thus far as a coach and he has been successful he you know won at, at notre dame got to the playoff a couple times no matter how overrated those teams were they at least had enough of a resume to be in in you know consideration of the playoff but part of the recipe for kelly as a coach is not really the warm and fuzzy part of this and so now when you're re-recruiting players in a place like lsu when you step in after so much attrition Uh, after the departure of Ed Orgeron there is an element of re-recruiting that you have to do how good is Kelly going to be at re-recruiting a guy like Keishon Butte even if Butte I'm not saying he's I'm not even saying that he's leaving to go play somewhere else but can you get him fully on board again can you get him fully re-engaged again you know if you're a leader of men you do have to convince the men you're trying to lead to be led does Boutte want to be led by Brian Kelly? It's actually kind of a first test for Kelly there in that regard. And I guess to a certain extent, it's also a test for a guy that we know well, Cortez Hankton, now wide receivers coach at a place, uh, LSU. Because so often, these are what the position coaches end up doing, which they become the go-between between the player and the head coach. And they're almost like the kind of guy that, that you know, if you're going to have a kind of a abrasive sort of standoffish head coach, which Kelly's been accused of being, then you better have a position coach that knows how to take the side of the players and knows how to make the players feel like they've got an advocate. So often that's what a position coach ends up being. So Boutte is probably the most important player on the LSU roster right now, maybe even more important than uh, new transfer quarterback Jane Daniels or Miles Brennan or anybody else. Probably the most talented guy, I would say, uh, on the roster all the way around. You know how ready to get back fully involved is he again? I think that's probably worth paying a, a little bit of attention to. Now, one more thing here as part of our uh, SEC through for a moment. Last night, the uh, NCAA tournament, Arkansas pulls a big upset over uh, Gonzaga, uh, only SEC team left, but making a big stand for the league last night, and knocking off the Zags. Let me just say two things here really quickly, and I'm going to try to make this as quick as I possible can and try not to be too much of a soapbox about this. So, like for a long time. I have been interested in the subject of analytics, the advanced stats, the kind of fancy numbers that have been introduced in sports over the course of the last, you know, decade or so. Like I remember first starting hearing some about this kind of stuff 2012 or so, and that's when I probably not saying that's when it was invented, that's when I first kind of became aware of more the analytical mindset, the very heavy stat-oriented mindset that some in sports had. And I thought it was a very interesting conversation. Over the course of years though, as more people get more interested in the concept of, you know, uh analytics or advanced stats, I actually find myself getting less and less interested seemingly by the day, certainly by the year. I think this from the NCAA tournament, another example of this for me. Because Gonzaga, if you look at like the top college basketball analytics guy, his name's Ken Pomeroy, he has a website called Ken His number one team is Gonzaga. And, and gonzaga is essentially about the number one team in analytics seemingly each and every year. And you know the the mantra that a lot of these analytics type people seem to have is and you hear this explicitly stated in college football sometimes that it's not who you play it's how you play in other words there is a more common assumption that gonzaga comes from the west coast conference that's weaker competition it's not always weaker st mary's a good team too but it's generally speaking weaker competition therefore gonzaga beating up on west coast conference teams is only going to be so interesting to a large portion of people because it's not the same level of competition that you get in a league like the sec and the analytics people would say no that's not true if you're blowing out those teams that shows how good you really are but once again gonzaga you know, number one seed coming into the tournament, number one ranked team in the country, number one in the analytics rankings. And yet once again, they're not going to win a national championship. Now they've played for a couple of titles. It's certainly a very high level program. But the analytics on Gonzaga, I would say, have just historically been wrong. And this year's tournament another example of that. So this is not like a screed totally against advanced stats and things like that. But to me it's an example of why as time goes on, as some people seemingly get more interested in like the advanced stats I find myself getting less interested because I just don't believe in their ability to predict very much. Certainly in the case of Gonzaga, they seem to get it wrong year after year after year. And then one more thing on this really quick. A word you heard a lot last night if you're watching these tournament games, whether it be you know Houston beating Arizona, Arkansas beating Gonzaga, you heard the word toughness a lot, didn't you? I mean, Gonzaga just didn't look as tough as Arkansas did uh arizona didn't look anywhere near as tough as houston did and i don't know i mean this was a big deal in college football this year too like ohio state why they miss the playoff they just weren't tough enough they were just soft they got pushed around by michigan who eventually got pushed around by georgia how come uh, alabama eventually succumbed to georgia in the national championship game i would say georgia just tougher that I, I think we're kind of returning to a time now and this has maybe been kind of ignored a little bit over the last couple of years but across sports where hey you know you of course you got to have elite athletes of course you've got to have a high level of talent but if that high level of talent's not tough then you're going to fall short of a championship last night in the ncaa tournament i think that was once again proven by what arkansas did and by uh, what arizona did and we'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean by the way speaking of the tournament let me also remind you this this is our final day to do uh, fuel for an upset from our friends at Kroger. Of course, Kroger—the place you go for fuel right now. Because let's face it, we're all trying to figure out ways to make our fuel costs a little more uh, just cheaper, right? A little more cost effective, and take advantage of those great uh, extra fuel points and the ways in which you can save uh, at the pump with Kroger by doing some great shopping inside Kroger. This is always the uh, way to go right now. So, fuel for an upset's been ongoing. and It's actually been really fun. So. Uh, Wednesday and I should say Thursday and Friday of last week we announced a winner Uh, we also have a winner for last night there as well Uh, i'll tell you how to register for the one today but can we give a shout out to yesterday's winner right quick uh great job scott bolan who had arkansas over gonzaga last night so good job by scott Bolin having the hogs over the zags so uh he is our fuel for an upset winner from uh kroger yesterday one more chance to be a winner here today now here's how this works now uh, can can we go back down this on the screen for a second this is what an upset is it is a worse-seeded team beating a better-seeded team. Uh, Gonzaga was a one-seed. They lost to Arkansas. That is the definition of an upset that we are going with. So for the slate of games tonight, and it's only for the games tonight, take a look at them. See who you like. Send your upset pick, as Scott Boland did. You can be a winner just like he was, and two folks were last week to info at dognation.com that's an email address info at dognation.com give me your upset pick or give the person that's (laughs) that's doing this because it certainly is not me uh give the person that's chronicling all this information your upset pick and among those that correctly pick an upset we will draw one of those names out, and you will be our Kroger fuel for an upset winner. So you give us some contact information to get back in touch with you. Give us your upset pick. If you give us contact info with no upset pick, that's eh, not going to be enough. If you give us an upset pick but no contact information, that's not going to quite be enough either. So a lot of you are getting this exactly right, and so I certainly appreciate you doing that. Upset pick and your contact info to info at dognation.com. You say, well, B, if I do all this, what do I win? Great question. You have a chance to win this. worth of uh, gift cards from our friends at Kroger, including $100 uh, to Kroger, $50 to RAI, $50 to Home Depot there as well. It's a great collection of uh, gift uh, cards coming your way if you are our Kroger Fuel for an Upset winner. So make sure. You check that out. Get your upset pick in. You can beat just like Scott Bolden was and a big winner there today. Okay, after all that, I need a drink. And when I'm getting a drink, I'm enjoying the Finnish long drink. And I hope that you will there as well as we head towards the weekend. So check out the long drink online at thelongdrink.com. The story is actually really cool. It comes from Finland in the 1950s, the uh, summer games there were in Helsinki. And so it became really popular then. And it's been in America for a couple of years. And now it's in Georgia and everywhere else. It's kind of like this new not quite so new anymore, but but recently revealed category. It's called a ready to drink cocktail. What that means is That it comes in a can. So it looks sort of like a beer, but it's not. It's a, if you like mixed drinks, things like that, this is a drink already mixed for you in the can. So you can pop the top and just drink it or you can pour it to a glass, whatever else. So there's like a blue can. That's a traditional, it's got the gin kick with the grapefruit flavor. There's a long drink cranberry, there's long drink strong, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. And you may say, well, I'm not quite so sure which one of those varieties is the best for me. If you get the eight can variety pack, you get two different cans of each of the four different long drink varieties and you can kind of decide for yourself. So, find out where you can pick some up today. Check out the longdrink.com. That is the longdrink.com and uh, you can enjoy some as you head towards the weekend. So, uh on the golden shoe today, somebody sent this to me the other day and I went back and tried to find the person who sent this to me because I wanted to give them credit for it. I couldn't find the person who sent it to me, but I want to show this on the screen anyway cuz this is really cool. So, Sam Pittman's he's been building a like a dream home uh on uh you know that beautiful outdoor space that is the state of Arkansas the natural state for a reason and so you see here a photo he has got a giant I'm talking about this is gigantic statue of two big razorback hogs uh, on top of a mountain of boulders overlooking the lake there this is unbelievable I mean this is staggering in its scope and so somebody had sent this to me because this is just Sam Pittman being Sam Pittman. But he tweets out yesterday, when Eric Mussel and the Razorbacks, beat the number one team, it's time to break out the hidden secret was going to wait for football, but tonight was just too big. Uh, go Hogs. And he says, turn that jukebox on. That's been kind of his catchphrase. Showing off the brand new Razorback statue that he has as his uh, brand new home Great stuff from Sam Pittman. We'll make him the golden shoe winner for today. And boy, it looks like the folks there in Arkansas are having themselves a really good time these days. Let me tell you who's not having fun. Lousy, stinking Gators. Long title drop for them. It's been 4,824 days since they've won a national championship. And Gator-hater countdown... The rival Georgia fans love to hate more than anybody else and love to beat more than anybody else. 218 days from right now, they get a chance to do that again. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time doing work that's promised for the price that's promised. It's that kind of. Um, just relationship that RS Andrews has with the Story after story, they've been delivering smiles. So go ahead and get that AC unit tuned back up because we got a warm spring and summer on the way, and you want to be ready for that. RS Andrews will help you do that online at rsandrews.com for a whole lot more. All right. So uh, last night, one of the things I tweeted um, upon Arkansas beating uh, Gonzaga, I kind of jokingly tweeted like the SEC SEC chant, and kind of got some folks talking um, about what I'd said and like. I'll admit that over the course of like the last few years, I think my SEC pride has probably gone down a pretty good bit. I mean, I still love the SEC, but the idea that oh man, I root for SEC teams against, you know, non SEC, you know, competition, I probably am just less into that than I used to be. I think, you know, the SEC just quite isn't quite as southeast as it once was. You know, when you had Missouri and Texas A and M, frankly, I don't feel much of a kinship with those states, those 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 programs. And so, you know, if Missouri were to go out and win, you know, some football game against, like, say, Boston College, a team by the way they did not beat, playing them in football this past year, but it's not like I'm gonna be like, ah, score one for the SEC. I mean, it's still hard for me to even consider Missouri, the gateway to the West, to be in the SEC. And Texas A and M, I kind of feel that way about too, and. I feel no kinship whatsoever with soon to be SEC members, Oklahoma and Texas. Frankly, I still am not quite so sure. I even like the idea of them even being in the SEC. So like the idea that I, you know, there's some sort of flag being waved from the SEC by the, you know, by me for the SEC. It's kind of gone away a little bit. Although last night I was even though i was I, even though i was joking about what i tweeted i was happy to see the sec get a win over uh against Zach. and as i said before you know i'm a little bit tired of like these you know uh math geek stat head types who you know would like well you got to understand you know uh, gonzaga you know dominating west coast competition that conference competition that may not seem like much to a meathead like you but analytics say this that and third and at a certain point in time, like I don't just want to hear about the numbers anymore. I don't want to hear about the stats. You know, it seems like you get to the tournament, you put Gonzaga in a game against, for instance, a team like Arkansas, and whatever, you know, statistical dominance Gonzaga showed during the year against a tough foe like Eric Musselman's squad, it just doesn't show up. Gonzaga like highest scoring team in the country, but establishing that pace against the kind of elite athletes that a place like Arkansas has on its roster just not not easy to do and i think that this is one of those things where common sense what you can determine in five seconds of consideration is probably as valuable if not more valuable than what can be done by hours and hours of like tabulating on a calculator of you know hey a team from the west coast conference consistently inferior competition with the exception of saint mary's which is typically speaking a pretty good team but a team from the West Coast Conference is not going to probably be as battle-tested come tournament time as uh, other teams are going to be. And while Gonzaga is almost certainly, by any estimation, a very good program, they've played for a couple of national titles. Uh, They are a team that has collected a lot of tournament wins. While they are good by almost any estimation, very, very good by almost any estimation, by now they should have won a national championship if they were as good as the math guys tell us they are. And I would say to this point in time, uh, this is one that the uh, stat geeks have to chalk up as an L on. So anyway, so that's you know kind of my thought on that. But beyond that, I was happy for Arkansas last night. And as I said during the regular show, certainly get the impression that Sam Pittman, uh, all those folks out there in the natural state are having themselves quite a good old time these days. So uh, good stuff. Thanks for being here for our RS Andrews Cooldown. Find them online at rsandrews.com. Hope you all have a great day, great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. And we'll look forward to talking to you then.